Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California, Peel, Minnesota. My name is Mike McCaffrey on the Looking California portion of the program. I am a extraordinarily handsome acting coach and writer in sunny Southern California, and I'm joined by Barry Anderson, who is a filmmaker, dancer, singer. He's a triple threat. He's from Minnesota, and he's feeling very Minnesota. He's a very depressive man. Um, <laughs> Did you say impressive or deep? No, no depressive. <laughs> okay, depressive. okay. I was like, wait, what happened? Um, You're giving me compliments this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the, audience, uh, the audience can't stand for this. What we do on this podcast, and if you're new here, is uh, we talk about movies or TV shows and sometimes just a general cinematic discussion about various things. But today we are going to talk about, uh, we're, what is today? November 2nd? November 3rd? 3rd. Um, yeah, so it's uh, time's flying. So we're a little late to the party on this one, but we are going to talk about a movie. The movie is titled Barbarian. It's a horror movie. It came out in... September, September 9th, and it is now streaming on HBO Max, which I have to say, I'm a fan of the shortened windows, uh, theatrical release windows, so that stuff gets to streaming faster. Because like in the old days, it, it would take us six months to see this movie because we wouldn't go, I wouldn't, I'll say that. I wouldn't I go to. I didn't even know it was stuff. like released in a theater. Like the bad part is now. Like normally, my my mo is I'm always looking at what's coming, and then if it's like a smaller movie or something I haven't heard about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go see that. But like lately, I've been so busy that like I don't even unless it's like Black Adam, I don't even hear a movie's coming out. Right. I'm like, it's been yeah. four months. Probably something's come out, and this is one of those movies that I think for a lot of people just kind of dipped under the radar. Um and. uh that's when you told me, I'm like, I don't, I never heard it. I looked up the poster. I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing the poster when I was driving yeah. by a theater. So I'm like, I don't know anything about this one. So I, I just decided okay. I'm not going to, Mike said, so I'm going to blame it on him if I don't like it, but I'm just going to go into this thing completely blind. I've no, no, nothing about it. So I, I was the same way. I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I had heard rumblings about it. I'd heard the title and I knew it was a horror movie, but I didn't you know, know anything about it. And it's become a, a, sort of a a surprise hit i mean it's got a budget of 4.5 million and it's made 43.3 million that that's the deal with horror movies that's why people make them because you can make them cheap and you make a lot of money the film is written and directed by zach krieger um it stars georgina campbell bill skarsgård and justin long and it tells the story it's sort of difficult to recount the plot of this film I'll do my best without any spoilers or anything, but it, it, the movie follows a, a young woman, Tess, who goes to Detroit for a job interview and she goes to stay at an Airbnb. And when she gets there, she's locked out. She's, she can't get in touch with the owners, but there's somebody in there who's, who's already staying at the place. Um, and so they have this, he lets her in and they try and figure it out. His name is Keith. And the story sort of goes from there. It's this weird tension of like a young woman in a dangerous situation because there's this strange man that she has to sort of share a space with. And of course it touches upon all the sorts of things you'd imagine, you know, like the, the me too sort of stuff and, and all that. And uh, the story goes from there. I won't, I won't get into too much more of it um maybe we will as we go along but that's the basic premise that's that's what you walk into the movie and you're like oh this is what's happening um as i said the movie came go ahead no i was gonna say i'll say two things number one you know if if you're inclined to see this movie you know you might want to turn off the podcast watch it and come back if you're a little bit worried about horror films this one trends to be a little bit more thriller there's probably a half dozen scenes where you see something that would be considered gruesome, but it's much more tense and suspenseful than it is just outright gore for most of the movie. So I know that everything gets lumped under horror, and I just like to give some sort of preface because I think some people can tolerate certain things and not others. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that. No, I would agree. And, and I also have to say, with both of us going into the movie blind and not really it under the, the horror banner 
there are so many different subgenres. Absolutely. Like, like you say. And so going into it blind made for a really interesting viewing experience because you didn't know. We'll just edit, we'll just edit out what I said. I'll just take it back. <laughs> well, no, it just it it, it it's true. It, it, part of that edge is you just didn't know where they were going to go. Right. So like you yeah. it was like at any moment anything could happen, which makes right. it infinitely more tenseful. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that um, the the only thing I think when it came up on HBO Max, the only thing it said it had like the poster barbarian. It just basically said that like you know, you know, with a mix up or something with Airbnb, you know, she has to share a place with this guy. So like yeah. right away, it like sets up your expectations of like okay, I think it's going to be this sort of movie. And we can pivot from there, but I think it's really interesting because this particular movie, in the best possible way, it sets things up that you're like, oh, okay, I know what this is. And then it just dances the line. You're not quite sure. Are yeah. they trying are they trying to bait and switch us where they want to lull us in and then pull us there? Or are they leaning into the fact that we're gonna project things? And we're going to do something and then we're like, oh, we weren't paying attention. Or is it going to be that thing where they're distracting us like a magician where we're so consumed with these things over here that you're not noticing the thing over there. And I was just like, oh, OK, I'm liking this. This, you know, I don't know where it's going, or but I'm like, I could tell that they had me engaged as opposed to just like sitting back, like waiting for like, OK, I know what this is going to be. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you kind of have that to begin with. But then as you're going you're like, OK, and then they'll do something you're like just pulls you in a little bit, pulls you in a little bit, pulls you in a little bit. And suddenly you're like, you know what? I don't know if I can trust any of my instincts at this moment. And once you get to that point, then the movie is both fun and terrifying because you just don't know like what's going to happen. You're like, is this going to be like, am I going to be watching the insides of humans being pulled out? Am I going to have jump scares? Like what exactly is going to happen? And it was, it was unique in that way. Yeah. I, I just, again, and look, I'm not a huge horror movie guy. I, I would like, you know, I, I like horror movies, but like, it's not something that I'll go to a theater to see unless it sort of has is a breakthrough film or whatever. Um, but I I felt the same way. I just going into it, you you have these expectations when you read the oh the guy and a girl and they're in this Airbnb. And you sort of think you know what's coming and then it sort of is tricking you and, and then it, it's sort of a faint and it gets you another way. And then all of a sudden you're just like, wow, this really, it's a very, very clever movie. And on top of that, it's very well structured. Like it's, a, it, it's in three acts and it reveals to you really in the third act um, why that is. And it's, it's incredibly effective in doing that. And, and I just thought very, very clever, very well, for the most part, well-directed and well-written. Um, I think the third act uh, was the, was the one that was the mixed bag for me. It, it, it I felt some of it sort of went off the rails, but, even that third act I thought was, was uh, you know, more good than bad. But I thought the first act with the guy and the girl in the Airbnb was terrific. I thought that really built well because, again, I'm, I was just like, yo, I'm thinking like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. You know, we know what's happening here. And then the second act, which features Justin Long, who Justin Long is one of those guys I've always love justin long yeah, he's great i love him and and i often when i see him i often think like god damn why didn't that guy he didn't have the career he should have had he's like really gifted guy he's very talented and it just sort of seems like it's just never hit big enough for him for, for whatever reason but he's in it he's very good um that whole the second act i thought was really really well done right <laughs> it's yeah. like it, it and you know it gets into like again me too stuff and um 
it, it gets a little bit more heavy handed with the Justin Long section with the Me Too stuff. But I, I, I appreciated the movie for having like an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I mean? It's not like, hey, this is just stuff that happens. It's like, no, no, we're, this is a real movie. We're like trying to say stuff. You can agree or disagree with it. Um, but I, I love the structure of the film, the, the three acts, the way they were structured, what it ended up revealing about what is really the the uh, center of the film and just how it was executed. And it sort of gives you everything you could want from a big picture horror movie because it, it involves so many different genres within it. Yeah. You know, that even the parts that I didn't particularly like, sort of the more outlandish parts, you're like, well, there are people who dig that stuff and this is for them and they yeah. get it, and, you know, and stuff like that. So it was, <laughs> like I said, I had just heard the name and I'd heard some whispers about it and like people talking about the movie and I can totally see why this is a hit. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just it's because you see, it's like, oh, this costs like under five million bucks, and you've made almost fifty, and it's like, oh, um, uh huh. That's like how many careers have started because of these this type of movie that it's just like, hey, guy knows what he's doing. He has an original idea, and he throws it out there, and, and it sticks. So good for this cat, man. You know, the I call this in an inclusive horror movie where they basically said whatever type of horror movie you like, we're going to have a sequence or a scene for you. Yeah. But it usually is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it, usually that it's just, it, it, it serves nobody. In this case, I think the general consensus from any sort of fan from a, I don't really like horror films to like, I own every horror film that's ever come out. I think by and large, this will at least be like, I enjoyed it. it may not be their yeah. favorite or whatnot, but like you're going to fall on the, you know, the word of mouth that, you know, it's going to come from this is almost exclusively going to be like positive. And in saying that, how long has it been where we've talked about maybe outside of Top Gun Maverick has like everything been positive about the movie? I feel like it's been a really long time. Right. <laughs> had a movie that's trended that way. And here's this little movie that got dumped in the theaters. Nobody saw you know, I mean, people saw, but then it gets dumped on HBO. And I've, I've actually, since since you told me about it, I've mentioned it to a couple people and put it on the radar. And like, they're like, never heard of it. And so it's like, okay, you know, and these are like film people like me that would normally be watching every movie that comes out and it just didn't. So the fact that it found an audience and has been making money, but yet hasn't reached its full potential, I'm kind of intrigued to see, like, you know, I could, I would not be surprised if we see Barbarian 2, let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird because, again, you know, like, um, we're, we're sort of in the midst of, in, in the last bunch of years, a, a sort of horror renaissance, in a way. It, it's become, like, a thing. So this year alone, you know, there are, like, the sort of flagship things. So there was allegedly the last halloween movie just came out um you know that that got all this hype and uh there were those two movies i can't remember the director's name but uh the first movie's x and the second movie's pearl i haven't seen either of those films but you know there that director sort of has this edgy approach it's like sort of uh you know x is based on oh uh, they're shooting a porn movie you know in 1970s or something and there's a, a horror happens and uh you know Ari Aster in the movies like uh Midsommar and um I can't remember his other one but I liked it uh you know so there, there's sort of this Wait, new yes. wave you had the big I mean the biggest flagship was probably nope oh right yeah 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 um you know and like uh, I like Get Out is technically a horror movie, you know all those things. I, I'm not a fan of appeals, but yeah. So there's the, but there's this sort of renaissance with the genre. And what's striking to me about Barbarian is that I never saw a commercial for this movie. No, like, not it, once. Like, I didn't even get like an ad. Yeah, 
IMDb, nothing, none of my normal sites I go to never saw a single poster for it. Like when I looked up the poster for the podcast to upload it, because I got to look up the posters, the poster came up and I'm like, never, never yeah, saw me, that me image. Yeah. Not like, oh yeah, okay. I guess I just didn't pay attention. It's like, this movie was invisible. It's really weird. And part of that is, it's sort of, it's, it's heartening, you know, for people when I think about the industry. Um, you know, when I was coming up, like those things didn't happen anyway. Like, you know, the internet wasn't a yeah. thing. But like for a movie not to have a massive marketing budget and to have a small production budget and to make all that money. That's it. I mean, that's, you know, that is unheard of. And and that's the thing, though, that like happens and people don't realize who are maybe not in the industry is like how much marketing costs. It's really a huge thing. You know, that's why when, when you're trying to figure out if a movie makes money, you basically take the budget and you double it because that's how it works. You know, the theater gets half of the uh, the money that comes in from ticket sales and then they have to market the thing. And, you know, I, I, I didn't. I, I watch, uh, you know, like a lot of sports on TV and stuff like I never saw commercials. I've seen commercials, by the way, for X and for Pearl. Which I haven't I've seen, seen those. those either. But yeah, those are those would in theory be smaller. Small, yeah. Movies than this. So it's it's uh, it's just interesting. And to have the movie I'm, do so I'm well. I'm also wondering how much I could also see this being a strategy if they knew they kind of had a hit and it was just printing money. At some point, if you don't put money into it, people become more fervent for the word of mouth and it actually saves the studio money. It could be one of those things that this has created a little bit more of like a, you know, a fan base like call, you know, and I and I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a strategy, but it, I think that happens when people are like, ah, how come people haven't heard about this? I, I need to take it under my own wing and like let people know that it exists and like, well, you know. If you're going to, you know, would it, like if they would have spent $10 million marketing it, would it have made 10 million more? I don't know. Because I think to, for a movie to break out, you kind of almost have to break out from a core, like horror audience. And I wonder if that's what's happening now as it kind of keeps expanding and you keep getting positive word of mouth. I don't know. I'm reading here on Wikipedia, which as we all know, is the, the Bible of our current age. Um, the first trailer was released in June 2022 um, in front of the theatrical screenings of the Black Phone. There's, you know, another horror movie. Uh, Disney marketed the film to feel like a discovery and teased very little about the film's plot and promotional materials. Yeah, well, I didn't see any of those things. So it, it was really <laughs> tight lip. But it, fo it follows what I said. I think they tried to create the fan yeah. base pushing the movie more so than it being a big corporate dump. Yeah. And it's got like five production companies attached to it. Um, which is relatively interesting for a movie with such a small budget. Yeah. Uh, you'd think somebody would just gobble that thing up. Um, so let's get into sort of uh, the meat and potatoes of this thing. Um so if you, if you haven't seen the movie, I would actually recommend you, you go watch it and then yeah. come back and, and listen. Uh, because now, now do, I, we, do we just put in like, you know, uh, elevator music, like do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. That would well, be a four hour podcast. Watch it. Before we get into it, before we tell people to go away, um, do you recommend this movie? Yes. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I you know, Like just be positive. My mom, not, my mom wouldn't like this. Movie. We correct. I mean, there's certain <laughs> there's certain people I know that would like my sister would never watch a horror movie, so I would never recommend it to my sister. Yeah. Like, but like you're just asking in general. I'm yes, sure there's someone general. on planet Earth that if they see this movie, it will like you know permanently adjust their thoughts on life, and it, they shouldn't see the movie. I don't know that person that I know of. So in general, yeah. I'll say, hey, as long as you're not super scared. You know, and you're willing to go on a ride. This movie is absolutely, absolutely worth your time to watch. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with that. Um, so you, you should go watch it and then come back and listen because we're going to get into some spoilers right now. 
spoiler time. Okay, so the first act again, it's the man and the woman, uh, Tess and Keith, played by Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård, and they're double booked at this Airbnb. And it totally, it's funny because so many things happen with that opening, that first third of the movie, the first act, that really are subtle, but they keep you off balance in, in a really good way. One of them is when she comes to the door and the whole thing's happening, she looks around the neighborhood. Yep. And you don't see anything. Yep. There's nothing. Just black. Black. <laughs> and then the next day, she comes out, It's the sun is up, and you see the neighborhood is totally run down. It's like this worst part of Detroit. I mean, run and, down. I mean, these are all like holes in the roof. Like, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, run down. It is, it is a yeah, war. I mean, it's crazy. And, but that, just those two, that minor little sequence, and you start thinking, oh, wait, is this a sort of uh, mind thing? Is this like some supernatural, like, she's you know what i mean like she's been deceived by like some witch or devil or something and so she doesn't is she there are these houses real what like what's that and it's just this subtle little thing and they never go back to it but i'm just like wow they they're really good at creating very subtle tension with the audience and subtle expectation and they'd already done it with the relationship with the guy and the woman because the guy by the way bill skarsgård is playing this keith guy He's just the shadiest dude ever. So, so yeah, and I want to get to that, um, but I don't want to jump too far ahead. So when I heard that this was like, you know, a young, attractive female that shares an Airbnb, like just instantly you're like, yeah, she's going to show up and there's some weird dude. Yeah. Somehow they're going to convince <laughs> that this is a good idea to stay in the same house. Like instantly I'm like, I feel like, you know, it's like that person, like, prove it, prove it. Like, I have this, like, weird, like, there's no way that you're going to convince me that, like, you know, because I'm, like, instantly I'm protective of that character. Like, yeah. why don't you come inside? And you're like, don't do it, don't do it, don't. And you're like, is yeah. there an exit strategy? Is there this? And it's like, I feel like I'm trying to protect my sister. And then what's fascinating about it is, like, you know, you're just against him. I mean, because what I thought was so interesting about the casting is like the moment he opens the door, you're like, he's going to, he's a rapist murderer. Like immediately, right. like, there, there can't <laughs> not be. and then I'm like, then I'm like, well, the, if he is like, why did they cast it that way? So then instantly in my own head, and I don't think most people watching are thinking that, but then I'm like, well, then I don't think he is. I think that would be too obvious to make him that. So then I'm like, all right. So the, it backs me off a little bit. But then movies that can pull off a slow burn and not make you bored is fascinating to me. Because the, the, the scene I can't get over in my head is this guy was awkward. Like, you know, it seemed great. But like even the little touches, like, you know, when she was going to go use the restroom. But then she's like, can I see your like reservation? Like in your mind up until that point, you're like make him show him that he's actually there like did he yeah. if he didn't have it he's he's been waiting for you and then the, all these and then it, it keeps diffusing you but the part that was weird is when he made her a cup of tea like he just seems so insistent to make her a cup of tea and she's like i'm not gonna have it and so when she comes out of the bathroom he's sitting there like in a romantic setting with a bottle of wine and two glasses yeah. with the one light on and instantly you're like what the F is wrong with this dude. This is weird. And so instantly you're like, this is where it goes bad. And then he's like, I realized you didn't drink your tea and I wanted to have a glass of wine, but I understand that you might think that I would do something. So I didn't want to open the bottle. And then you're like, oh, okay. Well, then maybe he's not bad. But then you're like, why is this setting? It's just like, this is like the first, whatever, half hour, your mind keeps going to like here. Oh, pivot. Oh, here. And then you're like, well, where where's the thing going to come in? Like, what is that thing that I'm missing as this, all the slow stuff progressing? I'm like, what's building? Cause it, this can't be, yeah. you know, a two hour movie like this. 
but yet I'm super engaged in like, I'm, you know, in the bathroom, they keep showing his electric toothbrush on the floor. Right. Yeah. And you're like, why is a toothbrush on the floor? Like what, like this, it means not, not all of it pays off, but you're just like, it's an interesting choice because like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, if it was sitting on the, the kitchen or on the sink, then someone would think that they're there longer. Like on the floor, it's definitely a transient. And then later in the movie, when like you're wondering if someone's like, you know, living there that's not supposed to be, it reinforces that. And you're like, it, the little choices that you can read into that give you a broad enough range to guess at, but not land upon is super difficult, especially in horror movies when that so much is predictable. And I think that's what's so special about this movie is it allows your mind to try like four different things. And at the end, you're still like, I don't know if any of mine are right. And you right. just got to sit there for the next scene. And it's like, I'm like gathering little nuggets, little nuggets, little nuggets. And like, you never quite get it, you know, figured out in that first act. Um, and before I go to anything else, I'll, I'll be quiet and see what, kind of what your thoughts are. But I think that to me, when you can take an audience member, suck them into your world, make them think they know what you know, and then you keep them guessing. But I think a lot of movies, they can like make a pivot. You hear about like, well, the twist, the turn. And it's like everything's leading up to like, oh, should have seen that coming. This movie didn't go for that because I think it would have wrecked the movie. It just said, you probably have five or six things you're thinking and we're going to address all of them, but not enough that any of them are off the table. And then we're just going to make you sit for a while and get more information. And I think that's what's great is like anybody in the room, like if you had four friends, you know, two men, two women, they would all have different things that they're like, oh, don't do that because we know this about that. And they could yeah. be having this conversation. And at the end, they're like, uh, okay, well, I don't, I still think it's that, but I don't really know. And so at the end of this, you're like, okay, I guess I got to stay in the movie. Like I can't solve it. And I think that's, that was the most fun part for me. Yeah, it, it's funny because I was just thinking about um, the the supernatural notion with the neighborhood being so black, you can't see anything and yeah. you're not sure if it's real or not. And then there's a part where she is in bed um, and oh. the door opens, right? She like jumps up immediately and through the open door, she can actually see the guy sleeping on the couch. So you're like, okay, did that guy just like run and jump on the couch? But he's having like night terrors. Yes. Which is really interesting because that also taps into like, oh, yeah. it's a supernatural thing. It's like some demon is possessing him. Yeah. The whole thing, you're like, oh, geez, what's going on? And it's just little things like that, that you're right. It just sort of, it uses the audience's expectation and their relationship with the genre you know that that you're taught oh we have to hit these certain beats and this is what this means you know we, we know this subconsciously it uses that against you and it cut it keeps you off balance because of that you know so when they go down to the basement you know when she goes down there and the door shuts and you're just like oh you know come on man and then it gets really clever. Yeah. And actually it made me, it made me think about a project you and I. I know. Um, Dude, yeah. I, there are shots in there. I'm like, that's yeah. from my movie. <laughs> I know. I was, I was like, holy shit. Um, but it gets really clever because the girl gets clever. Yes. She finds this hidden room and like everybody watching, the room is completely dark. There's no lights in it. She's like, uh-uh. Well, yeah, I was, <laughs> that scene was so funny because you're like, you know, you were, she had enough where she wasn't making dumb decisions, but she'd work up to making questionable decisions. Yes, yes. So she's right. standing at that precipice and you're like, don't make this a questionable decision. Yeah. And then when she's like, nope. <laughs> and like walks away, you're like, oh, thank God. But then she's stuck. So then you did have to work back up to the questionable decision. And the way they did it, you're like, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess I could see people making that decision. And then you're like, and then you're on pins and needles the whole time. She's, I mean, she's walking down a hallway and you're just like, uh, -uh, uh, -uh yeah, uh, -uh, yeah, uh, -uh. And you're like, like, it's clear, like using the mirror, right? I know, I know, 
I mean, it's so clever. And then you get down there, and what ends up happening is the the it's sort of the the house is the metaphor for the movie and vice versa, you know. So you get one layer and then you go down in the basement, you get this other layer and you think like, oh, okay. So the guy is this crazy sort of, you yeah. know, kidnapping lunatic and you're like, oh, okay. And then it like goes to another layer and you're just like, what is going on right now? <laughs> I mean, just what the <laughs> hell, just crazy, you know? And then when, when she's down in the basement and the guy shows up and they like have to break the window so that she can give her the key. And, you know, like everybody watching, I'm just like, ah, why are you trusting this guy? Yeah. Yep. Well, He's then, gonna murder you. But so let's go to that. So he, they you jam open the window so they can hand off the key so that she can get up. And she's obviously flustered watching this like, room that looks like there's a bloody hand plant on the wall with a video camera so like you're like yeah. this is a torture chamber and yep. she's like i am out and like this guy's like well, just wait just wait just wait and you're like do not wait like Damn. literally <laughs> just, kick you should get out of there what are you doing and then and it was funny because they had they had this like touch that that was nice because you have a lot of the whole you know mansplaining and like you know condescending to women and he's like I believe you. I just didn't see it, which I think is a human thing of like, you're freaking out. How bad is it? And if you know men, men want to go investigate things. <laughs> like we're just, we're just wired differently. Cause I can't think of many women that if someone said, Hey, there's like a torture chamber downstairs, would be like, I don't need to go see it. But guys are like, is there a torture chamber downstairs? I'm going to go check it out. So what's funny is like, he is set up at that point to be so like, hundred percent this is like the rapist murder but just in the way he communicates with her and goes down you're like but it doesn't make sense and then when he just stops talking again you're like well did something happen to him or now is it like the predator in his lair and he's just waiting right. for the animal yes. to crawl by the open so it's like even in that scenario you don't have a conclusive so you're like oh so when she goes back down to like and i'm like what is happening and i just think it's so brilliant that like i feel like I mean, the director was also the writer so that we can talk about that but what i love about this is in the way of crafting this that's what happens usually in a horror movie you're just waiting you know that some guy is going to pop out or something like that so it's you're 100 percent on the lizard brain emotional waiting for the jump scare yeah in this movie, almost all decisions were like, you are like, what if I was in that decision, you know, in that particular uh, position, what would I do? But then they give you rational alternatives to the irrational and the irrational is the least likely to happen. Like, you know, there's some supernatural creature or that like, you know, this guy that like slept in the couch that would rape and torture you would just let you sleep all night and then try to lure you like that's but like our brains want to go that that's the, what's going to happen but it gives you a definitive plausible alternative of something even worse that you haven't thought about right which then makes it like i don't like i like when you're almost rooting for him to be the rapist murderer to grab her right. what does that say about you the audience you're like i don't want to see what's worse out there and i think it's so fascinating that like you almost hope for something bad so that you don't see something worse. And you're like, that right there is almost like a, a violating of our brains in the best possible sense that you're like, how is he convincing us of this? And I just, it was so effective. It was so effective when she's walking through and it's kind of like you're waiting for something and then something doesn't happen. And then you're like, now what's happening? And then what I was about to like throw up when she finds yet another hidden door, yeah. I was like, come on, how many hidden doors? Yeah. And then you too. open the door and it's like the tunnel to the center of the earth. And you're like, there is no possible way that you convince this woman to go down. Yeah. That. Like, there's just like, I don't know what they're gonna do, but a hundred percent, you're not going to go down there. And she's like screaming and having a hard time. And then you hear that guy moan and scream yeah. and yell for help. And then you're like, no 
way. Yeah. <laughs> I go down the tunnel and you're like, no way. And then, then your brain still goes, was this the layer? He needs to bring her down to where she does. She has exactly. This, yeah. Or is there something bad? So you're like, I haven't even solved that problem. I don't want her to go down. She's got to go down. It could be the guy what's happening. And I'm like, think about how interactive this is for the audience member in a movie. That's like clicking by at a very slow pace. Yeah. Just, and it's not, it's not too slow. It's not like forced. Like it's not like, oh, it took ten minutes for him to do something. But nothing, nothing's quick. They're not trying to like force anything in, and yet you're just like, I think sometimes the pacing allows you to calm down a bit, so that you can get back to the spot of like when she makes a decision, you have oh. enough energy to be like, okay, it's like a roller coaster. If they were all drops, you probably wouldn't want to go on it. Like you need those moments to like, okay, right. I'm I'm settled, and then you like you're going up the hill again, and you're like, oh no, here's another drop's coming, but I got I got, I got to get my breath back, and I got to get my heart rate down, and that's kind of what this felt like because you knew something else was going to happen, it was going to be big, and you didn't know. It's like when you see the roller coaster, you see the first drop, and then everything else is obscured, and you don't know what's happening. You know, you go into a tunnel and it's dark. You're like, I don't know, like, am I am I in the backside of like a mountain? And I'm going to drop five times. With, you know, that's what this movie was. You literally had no idea when you made a turn and you climbed a mountain, what sort of descent into hell was coming next. Yeah. And it's funny because that first act with it, it's like a stage play, you know, with just yeah. the two of them in, in a very, you know, small space. And she's very good because she's very sort of appealing and real and grounded. And he's like a bad actor in a horror movie right <laughs> and well, so on, it's on the nose so what you think but then there's enough subtlety right. and enough and enough because like you know if this is an awkward guy i could also see this just being an awkward guy like there's yeah. again you have that duplicity of like it could be this or it could be that but you you're, you're set with an expectation because of the type of movie it is yeah, oh, that you, you know it's not like big budget thing and you're like oh, okay so this is just this movie and that guy is this actor who does yeah. this thing and, and the guy reminds me the character reminds me and i'm sure people who watch it will think the same thing reminds me of you like he's sort of an awkward guy but he's like 100 <laughs> percent. well I, my and, lawyers are already suing <laughs> because they based the character on me so uh, I'll be I'll be getting a taste of that forty three million dollars. Uh, oh, that oh that would be sweet, man. But yeah, so it's funny that like the house ends up revealing these different layers, which you know, of course, it, are the different layers of the story as well. And what ends up happening, which you know is is a, uh, a spoiler, is it's the house that is the central character in the movie. It's not the people that we meet who s sort of become almost disposable as we go along. Um, but it's this house and the history of the house. And so you go back in time to uh, the 80s. And again, this is what's really interesting about this movie, besides being uh, about like Me Too stuff and, and uh, you know, sexual dynamics and predatory behavior and things is it gets into like, it's quite clever and very subtle. It gets into like poverty and that the sort of politics of that. And it gets into Reagan's America in the eighties when everything was going great, but then it sort of wasn't. And, you know, Detroit itself is, is the star of the film. You know, the city that used to be this massive bustling metropolis, which is now a, you know, a war zone. And, uh, it's really interesting and you get in, you, you see different parts of it. They're, they're not heavy handed with it actually, but you see different parts of it. Like when the, the young woman, uh, Tess finally escapes from the house and she gets in touch with the cops. The cops are very dismissive of, of her because she looks like a crackhead. So they're adversarial with her. They're not going to help her. And I thought it was really interesting actually that they did it subtly enough that the cop, one cop is white, one cop is black. It wasn't like, and, and the girl that Tess is, is uh, black, um, it, it was, they made it clear it was about poverty. It was about class. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's a ballsy thing to do because the easy thing to do is to make it about race, you know, yeah. which we're, we're, we're all very uh, sensitive to and, and uh, acculturated to. So it, it, 
it was really clever how they did that. It was clever how they tapped into um, sort of Reagan and, and Reaganomics and that era and what happened to Detroit because of that. And just incredibly deft direction. There is one section, one actually sequence I want to talk to you about. Go for that, it. That bothered me in terms of the directing and how they shot it. And that was Justin Long and the woman, uh, the character's name is Tess. Uh, Justin Long's character's name is AJ. So the two of them end up, they, they, they end up captives of this tunnel system where we won't even give away anything else. And Tess escapes and AJ has a gun and they're in this dark tunnel and how they shot that I thought was really ineffective because they shot it from Tessa's perspective, which makes no sense because you want to shoot it from AJ's perspective because visually we've already had that shot of for multiple characters of looking down that dark hallway and seeing something which we won't give away, coming towards them. Very effective shot. Yes. This time they switch it. And I get in a certain sense in terms of the narrative that you want to have the perspective of the test character because she ultimately becomes the main character. But his confusion and his lack of vision and his the diminished light, I felt that should have been from his perspective. And I wonder if you felt that same way and if you felt that sequence could have been more heightened, um, better executed, maybe? So I know exactly what you're talking about because the problem with that sequence is as soon as kind of the mayhem starts, you knew that inevitable outcome. You knew the mistake was going to happen. So you're like, oh no. So it's the one time in the movie that you 100% know what's going to happen because they did it. Like, I mean, like if they would have then not had that happen or like, you know, if he would have fired and missed, then like you would have been like, Oh, see, they're still keeping me. But this was a, this was the one time in the movie you were like, Oh, I think this is what's going to happen. And then it does. And you're like, Oh. And so I think if you're going to make that break this late in the movie, where you're not going to have multiple outcomes or break the expectation of the audience of an expectation, you needed to film it in such a way where the audience became confused as well. Yeah. And right. the audience yeah, wasn't confused. Yeah. And so like when it was just on her, and then I think it was a shot from the side in where the creature was, yeah. where she goes down and then you're like, well, that's just not like, it wasn't satisfying. But then I was like, then I was wondering, well, is she dead? Is she like, there's a lot like there's confusion there's bad confusion there should have been good confusion when the you know the the gun went off and then there should have been clarity after this there was no confusion leading up to but there was confusion afterwards and yeah. then as the rest of it went as we moved into the third act there then it became more puzzling because you're like well how bad was the shot like because like she's injured but like not that bad like you know it was just very confusing right, right. And I, I think they needed to like establish that right away so that you could kind of go along with the rest as opposed to like having to be like, I'll take a mulligan. I just want to ask questions about that and we'll just go with it. Um, Cause that to me with how effective they were in the rest of it, that's something that could have been avoided, but was not. Um, but I also think that anytime you're going to film dark, you know, with just like a candle or an iPhone in these, like getting visual clarity is almost impossible especially right, think... especially if you're gonna like make it shady and like subjects coming out of the dark so i it's possible they shot that a couple different ways and it was less effective in the edit and so they had to go with that i there yeah. could be a case because again i looked at this director he's mostly an actor so like he doesn't have an extensive directorial backstory so with how effective he was on all of it I would not be surprised if a scene down there 
turned it into trouble in the edit and they had to just do something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I agree, it's, it's difficult to shoot, obviously, in a contained space, as both of us have oh, learned. Absolutely. And, and with minimal light. But I feel like you can also use those limitations to your advantage. And, and they did multiple times uh, throughout the film. But I just felt like that sequence, they didn't. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're right, if they shot that multiple ways and it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And so they went with uh, what they had, which was a little bit um, underwhelming. And I will, I will say this about the third act without getting into too much spoiler stuff. It was my least favorite act. Oh, of the yeah, by far. We'll see what's and weird I, is I'm going to give a plug to my movie for a second. Uh, there was I did a movie called Relentless that basically had, you know, a woman in her house and she gets trapped in the basement. And it's kind of that, you know, how do you get out sort of thing? The. I made a conscious decision when we made that movie that because this woman was kind of trapped and there was depression involved, we didn't want to move the camera outside of the house. And we had like, we had, you know, you could have, you could have had beautiful shots outside. You could have shown the isolation, but we, we made, we put constraints on ourselves. And I think in this movie, they didn't need to go that extreme, but like, because the house was one of the central characters kind of, almost like it was a gravitational force kept pulling people back to the house that was all working. But in the third act, like that's to me, when it went to the second act, what felt so jarring is because when we're introduced to Justin Long's character, he's driving the Malibu coast great, or something like great. that. So such a great cut, but oh, it was a great cut. But then you're like, what is this move? Like I right. literally, my brain was like, what am I watching? And how yeah. the heck does this tie into what I just saw? Exactly, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. it was great. But because it was so jarring, it made you wonder how it was connected. So that's what allowed you to be like, I'm not by the house. I don't know what's going on with this. This seems like, you know, superfluous or like, I don't even know how this is going to tie. So then when you find out he's the actual landlord that owns these properties and he goes to visit them, you're like, oh, see, the gravitational pull continues. All right. And then the third act... I think part of the problem was now you just escape it and then there was no rules anymore. And right. so I think, I think it's like, once you got rid of that, now you're kind of like, why am I watching this? It's like, I don't know how you would have resolved it, but I think that's why it inherently felt weird because you now were just kind of like, you know, that I think one of the least effective cool things that could have been done is the homeless African-American man that scene yep, yep. early where she's coming back to the place and you just see this guy sprinting from way back, just this like figure coming toward her. Yeah. And then he's just like yelling, get away, get away, shot, get away. By the way. Oh, just a fantastic shot. Yeah. And then she kind of locks herself in. She's like, there are crazy people. And he kind of just went away. And I think they needed to like have another instance of him, the way they brought him back the, you know, the second time it was like too convenient you needed him to be a little bit more like shadowy figure, um, especially for how they introduced him. I'm like, Ooh, I want more of whatever. Yeah. What yeah, is yeah. this place? And so again, once they're all out, now it turns into like a different type of movie. It feels more like a creature slash, you know, well, that's, that's thing. what it becomes. And I think part of why I didn't dig that, third part is that it's it's the sort of subgenre of horror that i've grown the most i feel has grown the most tedious it's it becomes halloween 12 and friday the 13th you know 18 and that sort of thing where it's like oh relentless um super being is gonna get us you yeah. know and so i get why that's in the movie and i get why it's there because th that's what this guy's doing he's making sort of multiple horror movies at once. It's just my least favorite. But I also think that like, there's probably a large audience that's their favorite part. You know what I mean? Okay. Like that, that is what they came for. But I, to see that. But I think then you needed to tie it back to the house. Like if you're gonna have that. Yes, some, agreed. Like, Cause imagine if you like had to go back in the house I mean, this is probably not a good idea, but like, you know, 
if you had to go back in the house and the creature follows in the house, but now they have to run down to this like multi-level labyrinth to get away. And the only way they were able to figure out leaving was the way they had to enter. So now you're not even sure if there's a way out. Talk about how terrifying that climax would be of like, are they going to try, you know, there's just a million things that could go on, but obviously it'd be very difficult to, to, to film all that, you know, a high action, low light, confined space but i mean that would feel far more like compelling and in congruence with the rest of the movie like you could have still had the invincible monster after them but i right. think just being out in the city was like okay i'm not 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 as not as engaged well what you describe i think is is more satisfying sort of psychologically it's the minotaur story yeah. right of of you are trapped in a maze and there's only one way out and this minotaur knows the maze and you know what I mean? Like that's the whole thing. I think when you're right, when you get out of the house and into the world, it, it, it does become that sort of, you know, um, Jason from Friday the 13th type movie. And well, I then think, I think I understand the, when you're talking about it, I actually think I understand why it's less satisfying is because once you're out and now it's just a creature chasing. You've taken out any of that audience saying it could go X, Y, or Z. Yeah, yeah. And deproving de- it. Like, you now tell, okay, now it's time to shut off your brains and just wait for stuff. And yeah, I think yeah. that's why totally. it's satisfying because there was nothing outside of the brief moment where the African-American homeless guy, I don't, did they ever say his name? I don't think they did. Um, but he's kind of got that safety zone that he pulls him into. That was the only part of the third act where there was like somewhat of that guessing of what could go on. Otherwise, you were just, all right, we're just in the car. The car is going somewhere. We're going to get somewhere at some point. And I feel like that was completely opposite of what made the first two acts so enjoyable and so engaging. Yeah. And yeah. I, maybe with more thought you could come up with those and i think what he tried to do if i'm being honest is he moved away from having the story structure being external like of like is this guy really a rapist you know murderer you know is she safe going into the room he tried to do the character development where like justin long his character is like you know aj you know comes he's being accused of you know you know, raping a woman and he's, his career is going to end. And so it's like his story from like, is he a bad man or is he a good man that did a bad yeah, thing? Yeah. And is there yeah. redemption? So he was trying to kind of go into there, but there's no context. I have no, like he asked that out loud. That's an internal struggle. We've participated nothing in. So we can't be like, ah, he's, he's kind of tricking himself. He's really a bad person that is unaware of it. Or it's like, no, you know, we have context of what happened and like, yeah, it's a little bit more gray than the story is telling us, but it's nothing. So it's like, literally they tell us something and we just can't have any thoughts on it. And I, I think that was a mistake. Yeah, I think that's right. I will say this about that um, AJ character revelation or arc or whatever we should call it. But there, he has that little monologue that you're talking about where he's wondering if he's a good person or a bad person. And I think that's extremely well delivered by Justin Long. And it just shows how good he is as an actor. And it's also sort of heartbreaking because, you know, why isn't Justin Long like (laughs) a big star? Like, I think that all the time. He's incredibly funny. And yet... You know, and, and he obviously has like the chops, but yeah, so it's so weird. And, you know, to go back to, uh, and, and one last thing about that third act is that all of that where you're just waiting for stuff to happen, you end up getting into sort of illogical things, you know, where you're like, wait. Wait a minute. What was illogical about the third act? <laughs> That's all real, right? Well, the biggest thing that stood out to me <laughs> is you can make all the leaps that he's asking of you to make because he sets it up that you're like, okay, this is why this has occurred. Yeah. And you get it. 
But then at, at like this climax, physics disappears. Yeah. And and you're like, wait. Wait, that wasn't real? No. <laughs> I, I thought they were filming in real time. That's that was a, that was a movie trick. That it, well, it's weird because it goes against what makes the movie scary, which is it's possible, not likely, but it's possible, right? Which is what makes all horror movies super scary. Is like you're like whoa, and like Halloween, for example, which we both love. John Carpenter's greatest. Oh. Um, so Mike great. Myers is like relentless, and. But what the movie does, which is so clever, is that it keeps pushing the believability and Michael Myers' sort of power until the very end when he gets shot like three times and he falls and you're like, oh, finally got that bastard. And then he's gone. And the part of it is is that the audience has been um, uh, set up to believe that. They'll be surprised by it, but they'll be like, oh, he's so maniacal and crazy that like yes he could survive that and with this movie they do something which is it it's beyond that it's just simply not believable and then you're just like uh you know well why would you do that i don't understand i get why they do it because of the storytelling and how how they wanted to shoot that and all that stuff but yeah i I think that's that's a weak point there's another horror movie that i really liked until maybe halfway or maybe it was the third act did you ever see um oh god now i'm not going to remember the name of it um relentless the barry anderson film i did see it by the way to listeners out there barry's talking about this movie relentless uh about a woman trapped in a basement it this was a documentary barry trapped a woman in his basement (laughs) came depressed and he just filmed her and that was it um it's a common occurrence. He's done it many times. I just hope this this audio gets out there and people learn. You know, I, I'm gonna have to stop doing this with you because pretty soon this is all gonna be used against me. <laughs> I know. Um, and people are gonna think You're that gonna be playing these tapes in court someday, yeah, and I'm just I'm, gonna be I'm, like, yeah, well, you know, what do I you can't, want? Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't approve of any of this. Um, <laughs> the movie was the movie was insidious. And what was fascinating about that movie, it was very slow, you know, kind of like this. You're like, I didn't know where it was going. And then at the very latter part of the movie, it became paranormal. Like there was a ghost that would come in, but then the ghost could physically harm you. And I know people like that sort of stuff, but I was kind of like, oh, like that wasn't set up in any of the movie. And now they kind of went to this because they needed to have a more high action, you know, end. And I feel like that's what happened here. I mean, they tried to set it up when she ran into the creature, you know, in the house and then the creature, they were giving it superhuman strength, but it was like, it was a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a stretch. And it was not the most effective because I didn't like, I mean, the only thing that it led to is the climax of, you know, you sit here, you have Justin Long that you look like he's through this process kind of, turning from you know the goat to the hero and then it pivots back you know yeah part of the scene and then at the end you're like well yeah he's not here he's irredeemable but then it's like at that point he's not really the star of the movie so like why are we why is this whole scene set up for him if he's not kind of the hero so it just it felt like there was stuff but it was not as efficient and or effective the two e-words was not efficient or effective as the rest of the movie yeah and that i would say my my second uh issue with the film behind that tunnel sequence was the car sequence i i i thought that just didn't work drove into the creature yeah yeah that to me that just it, it felt really forced and weird and uh, you know, I look. We're I'm nitpicking, but like you know, not well, a fan. Well, part part. I mean, I'm sure you could look at this as more, but I mean, she ha- her rental car was basically brand new. She runs into the thing, and then literally, like the engine stops working, right. and like I, that's what I, was I drive down the road, and cars look like they've been through a bone crusher, and they're going 75 <laughs> miles. So I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's possible that what she did, she yeah. hit something that died, but it was like. It was almost too convenient 
for it to be a problem. Like yeah, yeah. they needed, they need something more, more. I don't know what it was, but yeah, yeah, that scene where like, you know, he's kind of passing out in the front of the van on a cracked window. You're like, this can't be, this can't be it. But now it's like, we're playing out this like super dramatic, like yeah, yeah. almost like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where they're like, Oh, and then they fall over and then you're yeah, like yeah. yes this is not the end yet yeah and again look to be clear i i think all these things are intentional i don't think this 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 is like oh i don't know what i'm doing so this is why i made it i think it's intentional because he's making in that third act he's making a halloween friday the 13th movie yeah. um you know and again not uh my favorite genre i love halloween you know, I, I think it's well. I think I, there needs to be the original Halloween, and then there's all other Halloween. Then there's everything. Yeah, then everything you get diminishing returns every every uh, more time you go out with it. Um, so here we are. We're we've we've talked about uh, Barbarian. We both liked it. We do have some issues with it, but we we like it. Uh, on a scale of one to five, how many stars would you give this movie, Barry? I'm curious. Are we talking? Uh, are we talking about like in the pantheon of films or of like films? No, that... I, I would say now. I would say this year. Like we're we, you know, it's like okay, here's this movie that neither of us it, had really been exposed to any of the marketing. Um, I'll, I'll go first. It, I, I mean, I, my my gut instinct is like four and a half. Oh wow! Okay. Well. I'm literally. When was the last quality movie that you've seen? Right, that's true. Like I'm just see. I yeah. I'm <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm a funny. Four, guy. four is a little <laughs> bit more like probably in line. That's what I'm saying. Like if it's a yeah, I would damn I would damn near do, Oscar worthy. What we're talking about now, right? I mean, as a piece of popcorn, it, what what the movie is? It's a smart pop horror movie. Yeah, correct. Which brings with it certain. Uh, restrictions in terms of you know for people like us like cinephiles watching it where you realize like eh, you know what it, it is what it is I would I would say like and I have not written my review of this I will probably write it today or tomorrow um, I'd probably give it three or three and a half stars um, for all those reasons but I think you're right just in terms of this year when you know we've had this discussion many times on this podcast and many times off of it of just like what are we doing like cinematically there's just we we seem to be in a really really uh stagnant doldrums when it comes to um cinema uh, recently now there's a bunch of movies that have come out that i haven't seen uh, which, which you know you always hold out hope right <laughs> you're like okay hopefully something's good but yeah i, I think you're right like this was a movie that kept me captivated. I had problems with the third act. Um, that's happened with with lots of movies I've seen, right? So I, I would say it's it's three three and a half stars. If you're into horror movies, you'll love this movie. Like like we're gonna average ours. We're gonna call it a four. This is a four out of five stars. All right. Like my brother-in-law is uh, a special effects uh, makeup guy. Uh, very successful i feel like he'd love this movie he and he'd love it for the reasons that we had issues with the third act <laughs> i would probably dislike the first two acts but he would love it he, he works on those movies he he watches those movies he'll like rattle off horror movies and you'll just be like oh my god like this guy has seen everything and like knows the ins and outs obviously works in the business so you know he just knows all this stuff and he i'd be so curious to hear what he thinks of this um because i feel like he'd like it but i, I think our horror <laughs> fans will love it yeah oh he's a talker so <laughs> our fans i think will love it i think regular people and i don't consider us horror fans i don't consider myself one um i was telling you before we got on the pod that for Halloween, I watched um, a bunch of. I I love like the universal, the classic universal horror movies like Dracula and Frankenstein from like nineteen thirty one. Um, I watched Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
I love those movies. I love The Exorcist. I love The Shining. Like supernatural stuff scares the hell out of me because I'm an Irish Catholic kid. Um, so this one had to be well made for me to like it. Like yeah. it, it just had to. If it weren't, I wouldn't have been like, oh, I like it. It's it's a well made movie. And this guy, Patrick Krieger, was like he, he had a comedy troupe. He's I think it's Krieger. Might be Krieger. I don't know. But um, interesting writer, interesting director. You know, yeah. he's, and, he's, and he's one of those ones that we'll keep our eye on because it could. Yeah, he's got a TV yeah. series that was just picked up that I think he must be writing. So I don't know. He might turn into more of a writer showrunner than a feature director. I don't know, but yeah. uh, definitely keep eye on him. All right. All right. Any final words on Barbarian? Go see it. OK, I have one final word. I forgot to mention this before. So I live in a house um, with the most enormous basement I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's an unfinished basement. It's just, you know, it's like and I, like it's big enough that literally my son and I in the winter go down there and play baseball, like with real baseballs and a real bat. And without question, it's the creepiest place in the world. And I am positive that people have been held captive in this basement. I'll never forget the first time I walked in there, I was just like, I got to get the hell out of this basement because <laughs> I'm sure people have been chained down here and it makes me uncomfortable. So barbarians- oh, I, I'm just of... going to pause before you finish that. I love how the first time you went down, I got to get out of here because people have been held captive. Your second idea is, let me take my son down here and play baseball. That oh, is you... quite a jump between <laughs> well, the first and second time going down. <laughs> we got to play baseball. We just, it gets cold here. I'm not in California right now, folks. I, I <laughs> am somewhere else. But um, here's the funny part. So we're I'm down in the basement. And, you know, there's like sparse lighting. You know, it's creepy as hell. Um, and my son is with me. And he finds along the wall, right at his eye level, and he's young, right at his eye level, all of this artwork, <laughs> right? <laughs> Made with chalk. And it's all of these kids have drawn things on the wall and they've left their names on the wall. It's still down there, by the way. And they obviously lived in this house before us. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, um, this is the creepiest thing ever, right? That literally kept me up for weeks after seeing that. I was just like, God damn. And then we were having a flooding problem. And, you know, after a snow or rain or whatever, we'd have to go into the basement to check. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go into the basement and check. Like, come on. So this movie had me any basement movies have me uh I feel your like documentary we're... relentless had me because i just <laughs> i knew i knew i was like this is real man barry does this he's crazy we will we will we will have to make this the beginning our origin podcast episode of a future successful <laughs> franchise that we hatched here uh from mike's mike's uh the the lost kids writing on the wall of his basement is the impetus for the movie god and you know um one of my favorite movies of all time is Zodiac. Oh, yeah. And that basement scene. Oh. And so, oh. One of the best scenes ever filmed. Oh, good. <laughs> so, good. Always, so good. Oh, I always think about that when I'm down in the, in the basement shaking as I pitch to my son. <laughs> Can't, show yeah, him fear. Can't show him fear. Yeah. <laughs> Broad daylight. I'm scared to death down there. All right, everybody. Uh, that wraps up. Our discussion about barbarian we talked about it and we both actually sort of liked it which is good um it's always good to have a movie that we care about it's streaming on hbo max if you want to check it out you should um and that's it so we will see you next time at the movies <laughs>